It's episode 926 of the Roadman Podcast. It's Friday. Sarah's back with newbie questions. You'll see me on the roads of North County Dublin now. Speed seat. TT bike if anyone wants to donate. If I seen you on TT bars, (laughs) I would run a mile. Should I be lactating? I almost said, should I be lactating, Anthony? Should I be lactate testing? (laughs) This comes in from Damiano. Agustini. Oh, he sounds well-dressed. <laughs> he does. He sounds like he shops in Massimo Duty. He sounds like he smells good. <laughs> Sarah, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be back. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Best we should have left in my little tongue twister to start retro oh. to say Roadman Podcast <laughs> and it came out as blah, 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 blah. So I don't know if people have noticed, but you've stopped saying Roadman Cycling Podcast. So that's maybe why you're getting a little bit confused. It's just, it's just the Roadman Podcast now. Kind of cool. Yeah, it's like dropped uh, on front of Facebook. Just Facebook, it's cleaner. <laughs> Meta. <laughs> get, with the, get with the times or X. <laughs> so we had a My Woosh weekly ride on a Tuesday where we all meet up and do social things. But honestly, I was finding it a little difficult to motivate myself to jump up on a Tuesday and just twiddle my legs around. And I know other people were struggling with this as well. So we have pivoted. This Tuesday and Tuesdays going forward, we're going to have a 16 kilometer time trial every Tuesday evening. And I'm really looking forward to this because I'm in bad shape at the moment. And that might sound weird, but I'm going to put down a pretty horrific 16 kilometer time trial this coming Tuesday. But it's going to be a line in the sand. It's a line in the sand. You know what? (laughs) I'm going to be able to improve and improve and improve. And I know what you're going to say. We don't have two bikes to do it so you're not doing the time trial but you're not exempt you're going to start doing it on Tuesday morning before the ride I can still do a time trial oh I can't wait and you're going to post your results in the discord group to keep yourself accountable (laughs) this is all on air news to me if I wasn't on air now I'd be telling you to F off Uh, have you got a session of the week? Because we get a lot of feedback about the My Wish indoor session of the week. Because people, if they don't have a coach, they just jump on the bike and they might follow a trainer road plan or something like that. But a lot of people don't know what to do. So that's why I think these are so, so popular. Well, this session of the week is a banger because we're talking about time trial on Tuesday. Like all you got to do is warm up and do the time trial on Tuesday and you have a great session on Tuesday because you're going to go... 20 odd minutes to the death. So to prepare for that session, we're going to give an old school three by 10 minutes zone four. So it's going to be three by 10 minutes at time trial effort, but obviously it's going to be less duration. We're only been 10 minutes. Going to really prepare you for that effort. And it's one, Sarah, I definitely think you should throw in over the weekend to get ready for your Tuesday opener. <laughs> Can't wait. You'll see me on the roads of North County Dublin now. Speed seat. TT bike if anyone Jesus, wants to donate. If I seen one. you on TT bars, I would run a mile. <laughs> <laughs> it could be one of the scariest thoughts I've ever experienced. I just wouldn't do it. I think people are like so confident on those skis and on their, their TT bars in the aero position. And a lot of them just don't look like they should be. For 99% of, of triathletes, it is a misplaced confidence. <laughs> I haven't ridden with a lot of triathletes. Even some of the best ones that I've, you know, I had on the show and ridden with, it's a misplaced confidence. <laughs> we'll leave it there. We don't want to, we don't want to piss off our triathlon fans, our listeners, should I say. Okay, this week on the podcast. Why, Mate Morich. <laughs> no big deal. 
<laughs> it's funny, I, I know I talk about Twitter all of the time, but a lot of people have been kind of summing up their year already, year to day kind of stuff and their favourite moments in 2023 with regards to cycling season. Basically, everybody has talked about that moment with Matej Maharic after he won the stage in the Tour de France and that a very emotional interview that he gave. That's I know how hard it is to win sort of front stage and I want it for everybody, but it's not possible. I hurt, I hurt, I hurt so bad, but I just think everybody hurt. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was so good. He's a legend. We talked a little bit about that. I don't want to spoil the interview, but it's really good. It's coming up next week. Definitely check that one out. But an interview I'm really excited about and we're pushing a little bit more into the triathlon world at the moment. There's every now and then there comes a coach that totally changes in everything. And Olaf Alexander Boo is that for triathlon. He coaches the two best triathletes in the world, Bloomfield and Eden. These two are legends redefining the sport. I actually had to record a follow-up episode with Olaf. So I recorded a regular 40-minute episode and it didn't even scratch the surface. So five days later, I recorded a two-hour bumper episode. I'm kind of debating whether to put them out as one episode or a part one and part two, but definitely as soon as they come out, don't miss them. It's game changing stuff in there. It's game changing and it turns a lot of the things we believe to be true about endurance sport and training for endurance sport kind of on its head a bit. So very, Specifically very weight, weight yes. loss. Like these aren't, yeah. they're the best athletes in triathlon. They're not the leanest athletes you ever see. They look like Cat Tree bike racers. Yes, go. Go have that mince pie. Fine. <laughs> Olaf said it was okay. <laughs> I got a little bit of backlash from my Saturday solo podcast last week. I did a rundown on the new wonder drug, as I call it. I'm still calling it wonder drug. Don't care what you all say to me. Ozempic. Now, I have a, co- a couple of the points were very well made, uh, particularly one to say that this new upsurge in people trying to get their hands on the drug has actually caused a short supply of the drug for people who desperately need it. So they are people with actual type 2 diabetes, so people who aren't just using it to lose weight. And then I also got another bit of feedback. Thank you so much, by the way. I love feedback, good or bad, because I'm trying to improve constantly. We both are on the podcast. Just basically to say that I had a bit of a misstep, that I didn't really cover the negative sides of the drug, in particular when you come off the drug and it can completely mess up your metabolism. The writer also kind of went on to say that they were a little bit confused as to why I had such a focus on weight loss, particularly to cyclists who are probably not really that interested in weight loss or maybe it wasn't like a very healthy kind of view. I don't know if it's they're not interested in it. I think it's quite the opposite of that, that they're too much overly interested point. in it, even though they may not need to be. Yeah, but we still need to cover these things. Any Anytime I put out a a podcast or we put out something to do with weight loss, we get so much interest in it. So people are out there, listeners are on bikes, they want to shed weight. And I just think that we, it's okay to have an open discussion about these things. You know, that's... that's I haven't talked about this drug at all. My thoughts on this drug and any other drug, they're to treat acute illnesses. I don't think drugs should be used as therapeutic. Obesity and overweight is acute. They're not the same. You can't bracket them the same. Obesity and overweight are two different. Obesity is, overweight's not. We have, okay, obesity. We have a chronic problem with obesity 
around the world that has so many knock-on detrimental effects to the person, to society, to everything. So I think that chemicals, drugs, pharmaceuticals, if we can start to understand the body and manipulate it so we're helping people. And if you look at the bariatric operations that are happening for people who are obese, the success rate for those over a long period of time isn't good. So this is just another option. I'm not saying it's perfect. I was just lining out what the drug was, where it came from initially, how it works. So, But do you think obesity is the illness or is diabetes the illness, heart disease is the illness and obesity is, you know, a precursor to those things? Like, I'm wondering, should we be looking to treat obesity with a medication versus treat obesity with doctors being more prescriptive on diet advice, on exercise advice. It just seems like a band-aid for a problem that can't be fixed with a band-aid. No, I, I totally agree. As I said in my podcast, thanks for listening, Anthony, <laughs> you know, that this is not the only solution. And I think that education in particular from a very young age about food, about food choices, about exercise, about healthy living, that's where we need to start. But I still wanted to cover this drug and what it's about. I had to eat humble pie a few weeks ago for my drunk cycling remarks. Is this a little <laughs> bit of humble pie? Is this an apology? No, it's not an apology. Uh, I think I did, as I said, I missed out there on, you know, talking about the ramifications of it long term when you come off it for your metabolism. So again, I really appreciate you guys writing in about that. So as we'd say with all financial decisions, do your own research. We've been so happy to have Silka on board as one of our sponsors this year. For those of you who might not know, Silka offered best in the game bike accessories like tools, pumps, plus all your everyday bike maintenance kit like chain wax and sealant. They have a true commitment to creating products that are the highest quality and even manage to make everyday bike accessories, well, beautiful. I have their foot pump here and instead of shoving it in the press after I'm finished using it, it sits with pride of place in the studio. It's a work of art. It's so cool. So if you want to spoil yourself or another cyclist in your life this Christmas, they have so many great gift ideas. And as a Roadman listener, you get a 13% discount on all Silka products. Just use the code ROADMAN13 at checkout. Not only does this get you a fantastic deal, but it also lets Silka know that sponsoring this podcast is valuable. Whether you're shopping for a gift or treating yourself, Silka has something for every cyclist who hates throwaway culture and loves quality. So check them out and don't forget to use the code ROADMAN13 for 13% off your purchase. The code and link are in the show notes below. Sarah, hit me. Hit me with a question. Okay, question number one. And this comes in from Damiano Agustini. Oh, he sounds well dressed. Yeah, he, does. <laughs> he sounds like he shops in Massimo Duty. He sounds like he smells good. <laughs> okay. Damiano asks, any tips, go-to workouts for practicing climbing on a water bike? This is this is a good question. Yeah, so if you break down the requirements of climbing, it's not just high power, it's high power coupled with low cadence. So the session of the week I gave this week was three by 10 minutes, zone four. So my local climb is roughly 10 minutes. So doing a what bike session three by 10, you would think mimics my local climb, but it actually doesn't because we have a high torque, low cadence 
on climbs. So I would say if you want to practice your climbing on the Watt bike, a session like the session of the week, three by 10 minutes, but aim to do it at a cadence of 60 to 70 RPM rather than a self-selected cadence, which will typically be above 85. Okay, amazing. Question number two. Anthony, I really enjoyed your podcast with Josh Amberger this week. I come from triathlon. I was wondering if you ever thought of pivoting to triathlon. I'm sure you would smoke everyone on the bike. What time do you think you could do a 180 kilometer time trial for a complete Ironman in? And that's from Joe Noah. That's a great question. <laughs> you're just like, you're just like slagging off triathletes a few minutes ago. But No, I secretly love triathlon. Yeah, I think triathlon is burning. As you always say, they are like the ultimate people and athletes for managing their life or their diary or getting up early and getting it all done. So I admire them. And it's the antidote to being burnt out on the bike when you have so much variety just built into your session. When I chatted with Yuri Kuellen earlier on in the week who won Barcelona and Mallorca this year in 70.3, he said he just never gets bored of the bike because it's always time for a run or a swim. So it's a great way to keep it fresh. Uh, the Josh podcast was brilliant. He's, you know, one of the best swimmers in triathlon. He's I so love cool. chatting with him. He's, he's do it. He's like my new Alex house of triathlon, I think. He's your secret crush. I've got it. Yeah, I think I have a little bit of a crush. He's a dude. He's married to the number two female triathlete in the world. So yeah, you might she need could to take up your me. game a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, this is a little known fact. Sarah used to race triathlon a lot. Yes, I did. I used to love triathlon. Why I came out of it was I kind of fell more in love with the discipline of cycling and also God, I used to absolutely die in the water. Not, I'm not a bad swimmer, but just everyone on top of you, getting punched in the head, getting kicked in the mouth, getting shoved underwater. I just find it very, very stressful. So I might go back to it, but we'll see. What could I do 180 kilometer time trial in? I would imagine I could average for 180 kilometers somewhere between 320 and 340 watts which I would say on a flattish course should put me over 40 kilometers an hour. So I'd say I could be pretty competitive on the bike against uh, the good guys, but I would not be competitive on the swim or the run, let me tell you that. You're not a bad runner. I mean, it's just it's not that you're a bad runner. You just don't do that much of it. Would you ever consider getting into triathlon, Anthony? Who knows? We've one more Ross God, to do. This is, figure this it is, out. This is all we need now. Another two sports. We're 23 weeks till the Ross. We're 23 weeks till the Ross. So <laughs> head down, grab ankles. Okay, next question. Anthony and Sarah, I need your help. There's a girl on our group ride that I really like. I really like her. She's gorgeous and funny and a great cyclist. My question is, should I ask her out? Is that inappropriate? Would it be creepy? And if she says no, do I have to banish myself from the group ride? If she says no, how do I tell her that if it's awkward for her, I'll leave the group, not her. Help, I really want to ask her out for a drink, but I'm not sure if it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. This is a hard question. Would you? I don't know, I think you get, I, I love that saying that success or failure doesn't show up accidentally. There's kind of hints along the way. Like, is there hints there's chemistry between you two or is this a total shot in the dark? You're a two out of 10, she's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> it's J-Lo on the group ride. Everyone wants to date J-Lo on the group ride. <laughs> but like, have you realistically got a chance here? What probability are we playing with? I would maybe pitch it to one of your friends on the group ride and say, I'm thinking of asking her out. If he busts his whole laughing at you, that's not a great sign. <laughs> I put this question up on Twitter because I wasn't really sure, you know, myself, what way I would answer this. I know in the gym in the past, before I met you, Anthony, of course, yeah. I did get approached a bit by guys in the gym asking me out. And I found it 
quite flattering. That's not something that would make me be like, oh, this is pure awkward now. I can never show my face here again. I'm going to avoid that guy forever. Uh, I just like, yeah, okay, that's like well, a did you go out with ego. <laughs> no. <laughs> Those gym lads are not really my type. But yeah, like, but then when I, I do know girls who... <clears throat> If they were approached in a running club or on a cycle in a group where they kind of feel quite exposed, particularly on the bike because you're in full lycra, it's kind of like their safe space and they don't really want to be bothered by guys. I know that now in the gym in particular when we're there, there's beautiful girls there and they have, which is amazing, those huge big can headphones which just scream, no, don't approach me. But <laughs> when you're on the bike, you can't really do that. When I did put it to Twitter, it was 50-50. A lot of people said, no, leave her alone. It's not a space. And then uh, a lot of people wrote in to say that they had actually met their wives or current girlfriends in the group spin. So it's kind of hard to know. I think, Anthony, I think you're right. Just read the room a little bit if you can. If you are going to ask her out, maybe don't do it on the ride. Like, do you not can. have Tinder? <laughs> like, why do you need to bother the girl on but the group ride? But he likes ride? this girl. He really likes yeah, but this get girl. out a bit. Like, everyone likes the only girl they meet for the week. Like, get out. And it, it's hard for girls on group rides anyway. Yeah. It's a very male-dominated. And there's other sort of, sp- not sports, but there's other activities that have become totally, you know, undoable for girls. Like, I'm thinking about hill walking. Anytime a single girl goes hill walking on pestered. her own. Just totally pestered oh, yeah. for the yeah. entire four or five hour walk. That's why so I have a they big dog. On. Yeah, that's why I have a big dog, especially out in the hills because it's scary. So yeah. you don't want cycling to become that every time a girl turns up on the group ride that, you know, she starts getting pestered for her phone number. And yeah, I don't know. It's not cool. Just go and be normal. Get Tinder. Yeah, I, I think that, I, I agree. I'm going to move on from this in a second. It's hard to meet people on Tinder who are very like-minded. He's obviously met this girl. She's a cyclist. He's a cyclist. He's like, okay, this is cool. He's just a girl. <laughs> She's just a guy. Could it be anymore? Obvious. I don't know. But look, I don't know. Best of luck. I think that was as clear as mud. Keep us posted Keep anyway. us posted. Absolutely. Okay, next question. And this is from Ollie T. Best way to approach getting back into it after the winter break. Now I know all about this. Slow and steady. Yeah. Yeah. You need to get into, as Joe Friel would call it, a train to train phase. So you're not into your base phase yet. Your base is going to be base one, base two, base three, which are going to be four week blocks. But right now you're in a train to train phase. So you just want to get back moving again, depending if you've been on the beer and eating cake for the entire winter break, or if you've still been active across training for the winter break, you can approach it slightly different, but a graded adaptation. So getting into it slowly. If you've been doing nothing, don't dive in at back doing 12, 14 hours a week. Just get moving again. And it can be cross-training combined with cycling, but as we get closer to the season, you want to start bringing in more and more bike. And that can be kind of hard because you're very motivated after taking a few weeks off. I know I'm just back, this is my second week back training after about three weeks off. And Anthony is now coaching me, which has been very interesting. I'm his top student currently. And, you know, all week he's been basically prescribing me one hour on the bike, a half an hour run. And I'm just like, oh, what's the point in getting kitted and going outside for an hour ride? It just feels a lot like a big palaver just to go out for an hour. So your motivation is high, but you do kind of have to 
hold your horses back a little bit. When you've been around as long as I have, <laughs> you've seen the same thing play out time and time again. And we see it in gyms every winter in January. So this is your version of the January gym. Someone comes in super motivated. This is going to be my year. They just born too hot and too bright right at the start. And then when you need that extra motivation, when it's time to put in the long hours, when it's time to get out and do three or four by 20 minutes threshold up the side of a mountain in April, you don't have it. You're like, oh, next season's going to be the year. So start easy. A good training plan will build week on week. The other thing I will say, Ollie, is about six months ago, and I'm going to do it on Saturday as well. Every kind of six months, I do a podcast basically on how to review your goals. Did you hit them? What to look for? How to, Some very honest questions to ask yourself and how to set new goals. So don't forget to go into the new year with some new goals as well. Okay, question number five, and this is from Nolan122. Should I be lactate? I almost said, should I be lactating, Anthony? Should I be lactate testing? <laughs> I'm thinking of buying a home kit. Is this still a metric you test for yourself or on your clients? No, no, I think don't do it. Uh, I spoke to some amazing coaches this week. I talked about Olaf Alexander Boo, but I also talked with Dr. Dan Plews this week, which should be coming out again, I think next week or the week after. And there's these different thresholds we have, like from zero to 10 hours a week, you can basically do anything and you're going to get better. So if you're in that zero to 10 hours bracket, there's absolutely 0% chance you need to be lactate testing. If you're in the 10 to 20 hour bracket, now you need to be starting to balance duration or intensity, or there is some consequences to getting that wrong, like the distribution of how much intensity you're doing. You can get sick, injured, overreaching type stuff can happen. Up there, I still wouldn't say you need to be doing any lactate testing. If you're getting north of 20 hours a week, 20 to 30 hours a week, now everything has to be perfect. Now there's a role for lactate testing at that level of commitment, but that's still not it. You need to do lactate testing. Lactate testing is one of the most easily contaminated readings out there. So taking a lactate test wrong will give you a wrong reading, but also not understanding the relationship between substrates and lactate will give you a wrong reading. So it's a highly skilled measurement to be able to do lactate testing. So if you're taking data from lactate testing and you're basing training prescriptions on that data, if you're basing your training prescription on flawed underlying data, if you've bad input, you're going to have bad output. So stay away from it because there's just much easier ways to do this and simplify your life unless you are one of the very top athletes in the world working under tuition of extremely talented professionals. Okay, and the last question. Anthony, how do we protect ourselves if someone is trying to steal our bike while we're out riding it? I've just spent a small fortune on a new road bike and I love it, but now I have a fear of riding it and it being stolen. Obviously, I don't just leave it outside shops and cafes, but I'm hearing a lot about gangs just driving up to cyclists and taking their bikes. I haven't heard that. Uh, I know there was a problem in London. Uh, yeah. few, it was last year, I think. But as far as I know, I'm starting to be corrected, that's been resolved. We had Alexander Richardson on the podcast and that's exactly what happened to him. Uh, they, they had machetes. Yeah. Wow, that was scary. And kind of scooters. They came up on mopeds beside him and yeah. I don't, you, I don't think in that situation you want to be protecting your bike. I think you want to just you be giving it up. it over. Yeah, bye, go enjoy. I mean, obviously you can insure your bike, make sure that you take your bike registration number, take a picture of it in case the police find your bike again. I mean, I think if this is happening, certainly with the Alex Richardson 
incident, the police knew exactly who these young fellas were who were going around stealing bikes. Um, Didn't we have one of the lads in our club had this? This was yeah. I think he was out in the middle of nowhere in in Wicklow and maybe got driven off the road. Was he or is that no? Something? He got his bike robbed at college, and oh, yes. one of the other lads who's yes. a courier, Connor, spotted the bike. Yes, that's and right. And it was a junkie that robbed his bike. So very other, distinctive bike. Yeah, yeah and the, so the other lad that's a courier followed the junkie put a message into our WhatsApp group chat. It was great drama watching this uh, unfold. <laughs> and then the young lad's dad went in, met the courier and had a few polite, persuasive words and got the bike back. <laughs> that was kind of cool. That's what we were all watching the WhatsApps as they updated. What I would say to this listener is don't be afraid to ride your bike. Just go and enjoy it. Jesus, if we all lived with this kind of you know, underlying fear that something bad is going to happen to us every day, we'd never step out the front door. So go ride, go enjoy. Sarah, you have some tech to finish up? I do. Okay, so because again, um, I'm back training, I have to say I'm in absolute agony. <laughs> Everything's kind of sore. I wanted to know if the percussion guns, you know, those massage guns, do they work? Like, is there any actual research on them? Because I think that they're a really good present for somebody who is, you know, the athlete or someone who's quite into training in your life if you were looking for something for Christmas. Now, again, the research is very, very thin on this. Now, there was a small study and it was actually published in the Journal of Sports Science and Medicine. Now, it only had 16 male volunteers and they found that they had a better range of movement after five minutes of treatment with a massage gun. And from looking through a couple of articles on it, mostly from physiotherapists, the main benefit you're going to get from this gun is before you work out because it'll actually help you increase your range of movement in your joints. But there's nothing really to kind of lean towards it being a brilliant recovery tool, massage. And a lot of people use them wrong as well. They actually uh, tend to have them on too hard and they're pounding away their muscles too hard and actually can cause damage. So I kind of thought then, well, okay, these tarot guns are up to 300 quid. You can get cheaper versions, 50 quid on Amazon. Should we just go back to the old foam roller, that torturous instrument? And yeah, again, now there's new research to say that we don't really know that that foam rolling actually helps the muscles either. So I think that if you like the feel of the massage gun, no, I'm not asking any questions if you're consistently using it in your groin area or anything like that. But if you like the feel of it, you find it relaxing, use it. But there's no medical history to it or research to say that it works to ease pain or doms on your muscles. There you have it, folks. Sarah will be back tomorrow with a solo cast. I'll chat to you again on Monday. Have a great weekend and ride safe.